Hi, and welcome to the Trusted Executive Podcast. And I'm here today with Dr. John Blakey. He's the founder of the Trusted Executive Foundation, which helps CEOs across all sectors around the globe create a new standard of leadership defined by trustworthiness. He's been named a top 100 global thought leader in trust by Trust Across America, and his work has been featured in Forbes, BBC News, and Daily Politics, HuffPost, and The Sunday Times. So hi, John. Welcome. Yeah, morning, David. Really excited to be here uh, with you this morning. Really looking forward to our conversation. Mm, Now, the idea of this podcast is to help you as listeners actually interact and engage with the trusted executive model. Uh, And to actually do a deep dive into each of the nine leadership habits and the benefits to you and your organization. Now, John, I'm going to start off with, because you say in the book that you didn't dream up these nine habits over a glass of red wine. Indeed, they're a product of six years of research at Aston Business School, and they offer the business world an academically rigorous, and I would say relevant, answer to the question, how do I do trust? And why does it matter in business? So, John, would you like to explain briefly about uh, why this is important? Yeah, I mean, my six years of research, David, was was uh, was really a small drop in the ocean of of the many, many uh, academic years of research that have gone on into trust over the past, you know, 30, 40 years. And uh, many, many researchers have been trying to pin this word down and define it and, uh, and wrestle it to the floor. And uh, I think probably... It was Professor Sean Burke at the University of, of Florida who, who summarized all of that research uh, some time ago and came up with those three, three pillars that I talk about in the book, ability, integrity, benevolence, the three pillars of trustworthy leadership. So uh, my job in my research was really to then look at what are the behavioral habits that sit under each of those pillars. And it turns out there were three habits under each pillar, so nine habits of trust in total, uh, but all linking back into those uh, themes of ability, integrity, and benevolence. Mm, wonderful. Thank you, John. And today we're going to look at the, the habit that sits under the, the pillar of ability, which is the first one. It's the one called choosing to deliver. And I love what you say in the book around that a habit is an accumulation of choices. And each of the habits starts with the word choosing. So it's this aspect of actually, we do have a choice. So we're starting off with this one, aren't we? choosing to deliver. So for you, John, what is this habit choosing to deliver and what benefits does it provide? Yeah, choosing to deliver. For me, this is habit number one in the the nine habits and it's probably habit number one for a reason because it's in business, I think it's the passport into the rest of the game of trust. Probably the first interaction we have with a client or a member of staff, um, a lot of the focus is on this habit of delivery. Can we deliver? And business at the end of the day is a performance sport. We need to be competent at what we do. We need to deliver on time, to budget, to quality. Um, At the Trust Executive Foundation, yesterday we had our first workshop with a new client. And we will have been assessed according to delivery first and foremost. You know, did we deliver what they expected? Now over time, that relationship will also include elements of integrity and benevolence and all the other habits. But I think we really have to tick this box first. Can we deliver in, in, a, in a performance-based environment? And whilst the world of leadership is changing in terms of what we're delivering and what we might think success looks like, I think whatever the goal is, it's still important that we're trusted to, to deliver on that. 
Mm, I, I agree, John. And I, I'm just going to read, actually, because from your book, it really touched me. Coming back, you talk about choosing to deliver, and you summarize it very succinctly. You say the habit involves getting the job done on time, on budget, and to the right level of satisfaction for the customer. If you can't deliver, then it will be a hard, it'll be hard to trust you. As you said, this habit, choosing to deliver, is the passport into the rest of the trust game. And for my language, John, this feels like it's, I'm going to call it some like a keystone. It's the one that's there, which actually all things are, are built on because we can do all the other habits, but if we don't deliver, you know, it's this aspect of what have we, you know, it's then said, what have, why are we in business if we're not delivering something? Yeah. And when I, when I interviewed all the, the CEOs for the research, um, you know, this habit came up time and time again. And maybe I could just share with you some of the, mm. some of the words that, you know, CEOs said about this habit. You know, delivery is not being late, not going over budget, not moving the commercials around on the hop. Delivery is, you know, not letting your customers down. There is always a distrust of government because they make promises that they can't deliver. And many businesses are the same. McKinsey, I interviewed a, a leader in McKinsey. McKinsey don't just go the extra mile. They go the extra 1,000 miles. <laughs> and finally, um, yeah, the ultimate arbiter is the customer because they have choice. If they expect X and you deliver Y, then you have failed. But if you deliver X plus, you have succeeded. And mm. so I think those comments, um, you know, a lot of passion in those interviews around this habit of delivery amongst uh, successful business leaders. Mm. And how did one, one thought that came up to me was, was how does choosing to deliver? And it's a bit of a loaded question, this one here, but how the executives you've spoken to, how do they choose to deliver the right thing for their organization? Yeah. Um, now that's, I think, uh, a, a big question in, in these times. What is the right thing to deliver? And, and you, will, you will know in, in my book that I, I go into um, some depth around the shift in purpose of business. Mm. Um, so I talk about the contrast between the single bottom line of, of profit, where the right thing was to deliver profit. And that's as, as a singular measure of business success. And I contrast that with the emerging world of the triple bottom line as the focus of success, where the right thing is not just to deliver profit, but also to look after people and take care of the planet. Um, so that shift from the single bottom line to the triple bottom line, I think is very relevant to this habit of delivery because what we are delivering now in a 21st century context, the expectations of the purpose of business, I think is shifting. And if we are to be trusted by the modern stakeholder, then the purpose and, and measures of success of business, I think, are coming under very close scrutiny. So delivery is still important in, in either of those worlds. But what we deliver, I think, is, again, part of our choice uh, as business leaders. How broad do we define the success of a business enterprise? Yes, absolutely. And I think this choosing to deliver as well, I can see how it is. I think you've said, you know, I think all the habits link into each other, <clears throat> but this choosing to deliver also for, for our times now, particularly during the pandemic and beyond, this choosing to deliver for me gets us asking questions around our purpose. Because back to from choosing to deliver, okay, but then what's our purpose and well, some of the other areas of the habits, what's our, what our values are. So I can see why this is such a, a keystone. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we were saying earlier, David, uh, you know, coincidentally, you're, you're, you're sat in Bourneville this morning, uh, the home of, uh, of, of Cadbury, an organization that I worked for. 
many years ago. And if you look into the history of that organization, then that was an organization that had a very broad uh, vision for what success looked like in terms of the way it looked after its workers, the way it contributed to its community. And so I think uh, this question about the purpose of business is very alive at the moment. There's a big debate going on in, in, in very sort of uh, strong business uh, brands, if you like, like the FT, uh, the Business Roundtable in, in, in America. There's a lot of strong debate going on about the purpose of business and what is the appropriate purpose of business in, in the modern age. And I think this pandemic that we're going through um, is one of the examples of the bigger picture trends uh, and, and phenomenons in the world that are that business cannot afford to ignore in terms of these trends and phenomenon will shape the purpose of business. And part of our habit of delivery is to understand how the context of business is changing and to anticipate that. I talk a lot in the book, the first four words of the book are, you know, managers manage, leaders anticipate. And, and part of what we're called to do with the habit of deliveries is to anticipate where the purpose of business is going. Wonderful. I love that. Another thing I love actually about the, this framework, just an executive framework, is how practical it is. I know that in the book, when you look at the habit of choosing to deliver, you actually look at three key elements. You talk about be careful when making promises, have a system that manages the execution and delegation of tasks. And then finally, the one I love is, is look to exceed expectations to generate a wow factor. Would you like to talk briefly to, to that? I think it's important. I want to really bring out the practical nature of this model here. Yeah, I mean, we could go from that big picture purpose um, and we can talk about that a lot, but very quickly we have to get into the detail of how do we do this and, and how do we make it practical? You know, I work with practical business leaders. They want to know what can they do different tomorrow that would make a difference to their trustworthiness. And these three um, tips around the habit of delivery, be careful when you make promises. So, and and realize, realize how often you are making promises. Every time you say, um, yes, I'll take that, I'll take that task, I'll do that. Every time you sign a contract with a customer, every time you issue a forecast of earnings to your investors, for me, that's a promise. You know, you're making a promise. And in our personal lives, when we make promises, I think we feel it if we don't deliver on those promises. And I think the same is true for us in, in business. If you want to be a trusted executive, you want to feel your promises and, uh, and, and commit to them in the same way you would in your, in your personal life. The second tip is about having a system. It amazes me how many very successful leaders that I coach uh, do not have a system for managing their, their diary, their tasks, mm -hmm. um, their delegation. Uh, they're, they're holding it all up here in their heads, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that's hugely impressive. But actually, um, however brilliant our heads might be, uh, there are some great systems out there that can automate this for us and give us that insurance policy to make sure that things are not slipping through the net. So I, I, I recommend often um, Getting Things Done, GTD, by uh, David Allen as a, as a fantastic uh, system to support this habit. In the Trust Exec Foundation, we work with something called EOS, the Entrepreneur's Operating System. Again, another fantastic system that ensures and protects your, your delivery reputation. And the final one you mentioned about going, yeah, going the extra mile to deliver the wow factor. It's a little bit that quote that I just read from that CEO about if you, if you promise X and you deliver X plus, then that's what delivers, uh, what generates the wow factor. And, and people 
remember the wow factor. So I think in the book, I talk about the example of, you know, booking a hotel room. Um, you know, there's these basic needs that you expect. You expect there's going to be a bed in the room. You know, there's the unspoken expectation. You, you, you have an unspoken expectation that there will be an ensuite bathroom, although that might not have been stated uh, clearly. But then there is this, uh, this, this wow factor that when you walk in the room, there's a little box of chocolates on the bed. Uh, and that's, that's that moment, isn't it, where you, you get that little bit of a feeling that somebody cares mm-hmm. and they've gone, they've gone a bit extra to deliver above that promise, above that expectation. And th- those are the moments that uh, really um, uh, frank that, uh, that reputation for, for delivery. So, um, so, yeah, those are three very practical habits that we can build. I mean, you mentioned about choice and habits are an accumulation of choices. You know, I, I, I like the sort of quote about, you know, first we make our habits, then our habits make us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we can make these habits. And then our character is built off the back of these habits. And we can build a reputation for delivery if we work on these habits of, of, uh, of, of getting things done. Thank you for that, John. And something as well, I think, that comes through is, you know, working with this, it's something that actually, I think, is embedded within the culture. It's not a, in most, I will say in the older paradigms, and as we look for quick fixes, uh, this really is something which you take on board and you work with. And I know that those that are, that are watching and listening to this podcast really want to have a sense of, okay, we hear about the, what this, this habit is and the benefits it provides. But how have other how have executives actually used it to make a difference in their organisation? So what I wanted to introduce here, John, is actually look at how other executives have used it. And for this one here, we've actually got Fiona Furman from the NAHL group, and she's communications manager there. And her organisation has been using the trusted executive model for a period of time. So what I've actually done, John, is I've recorded a short interview with her around the habit of choosing to deliver. So I'd like to play this. I know you've not seen this before, but I'll play it and I'll invite you then to actually respond to what she says. So I'm going to play Fiona and she's going to talk here about the habit of choosing to deliver. So today I'm with Fiona Furman, who's a communications manager at NAHL Group, which is a group of consumer legal businesses The most uh, well-known one is National Accident Helpline. So Fiona, you use the Trusted Executive Framework. Can you let let us know how you've used this leadership habit of choosing to deliver to make a real difference in your organisation? Sure. Well, the personal injury area of our business um, a few years ago looked at the um, looked at the market and looked at what was happening in the market and decided that the best way that we could develop and grow as a business would be to launch our own legal firm. So previously, we'd existed entirely as uh, what's called a claims management company. So um, as the middleman, if you like, between the, um, the person who's had an injury and the legal firm. And we decided to actually create our own legal firm because it made more sense from a, a customer experience perspective. It would cut down a lot of time for them. It would, it would um, and it stop them having to repeat themselves quite so often when they were, uh, when they were making their claim. And so as anyone who's ever started their own business probably knows, it can take a good couple of years, and certainly for a legal firm, probably a couple of years to, to get going on that. We went from conception to delivery within the space of one year and it's revolutionized our business and, and how we do business and how we are seen in, in the marketplace. So it's been absolutely pivotal for us in the way that our business has developed in the last few years. 
Wow, thank you, Fiona. I know wow is one of the <laughs> the figures in choosing to deliver. And I really sense that actually as an organization you were keen to deliver and also keen to deliver for the consumers. So I guess choosing mm. to deliver had that real sense of organizational delivery and more importantly delivery for the customers too. Absolutely. Yeah. It came from research with our with our customers who who noticed that their pinch points really were having to repeat themselves when they, they told the story to us once and they had to tell it again to, to the legal front they were put through to. So as a means of trying to ease that burden for them at what was already a very difficult time. Mm, wonderful. Now finally. Fiona, what for you has been a personal insight or a personal growth moment through using the trusted executive framework? Yeah, I mean, certainly um, this year for all of us has been an incredibly challenging time. And my my audience is, is our internal customers. So my audience is our staff with my, my own colleagues. So I manage all the internal communications for the business. And when we went into lockdown, it became clear that we would need to be a bit more creative with how we communicated with, with our colleagues and our senior leaders needed to be very, very visible. We needed to have that comfort of having that strong leadership. But our leaders have always been brilliant um, at walking the floor and being in the offices and talking to people and being very, very visible. But obviously that wasn't really possible anymore. So we embraced video as so many people, I guess, have done in the last sort of nine months or so. Um, but for me, as, as the internal communications manager, I was obviously driving that activity. And nobody, nobody likes to see themselves on video. I appreciate that. And I, I am no different um, in, in that regard. So for me, having to, the, the growth moment for me was really in having to kind of get past that sense of, oh, gosh, I'd rather be behind the camera and I don't really want to be on screen. And we've gone from zero to 100 plus videos um, in the space in the space of nine months. So so for me, not only having to learn the new technology and how to how to manage it and how to all the best practice around using video, but also just on a very personal level, having to kind of get over that sense of not wanting to see myself um, on on camera has been uh, has been a huge growth for me this year. Mm, wonderful. Thank you. And that's a great example of how choosing to deliver has really encouraged you to step mm -hmm. outside of your comfort zone and make a real difference. So thank you, Fiona. I really appreciate your contribution. No problem. Thank you. So John, there's Fiona. And really for me, a sense of she gave, I think, a great example of how the organisation delivered through using the model. And then she spoke personally of how choosing to deliver had helped her step out of a comfort zone and really have some personal growth. So I'd love to hear you you know, reply to this and, and speak broader to choosing to deliver. Yeah, firstly, just great to hear uh, Fiona talking about that. You know, when, when you write a book or when you do research, you know, that, that the theory is great, but, you know, as a, I'm a businessman at heart and, to, and therefore to, to hear people like Fiona has actually taken this and as, a, as an organisation, NAHL group, have really run with it and, and, and delivered. You know, they've delivered the nine habits of trust. You know, they've, they've taken the idea and they've put it into action in a way that, you know, they've done things with it that I, you know, never thought of and never dreamt of. So that, that for me is tremendously satisfying and a great example of, of delivery um, in itself. And um, the other thing that uh, NAHL group have done, you know, the way, the way Fiona talks, they have an organizational delivery of, of, of this, but then they also think about their personal habits. And, and I think that's one of the things with all of these habits is you can look at them at the individual level. What does it mean to choose to deliver as an individual? You can look at them at a team level. What does it mean to choose to deliver as a team? And you can look at it at, at, at an organizational level. You know, what does it mean to deliver as an organization? So all of these habits um, can play out at those levels. And then I suppose ultimately the brand 
you know, does the brand deliver? Is there, is there an authenticity and a consistency and a depth uh, around this habit that we then trust that brand to deliver? And, uh, and then that's, I think, how great brands are, are built. And uh, I suppose if you think of the example of like a, a McDonald's, you know, you know that they're going to deliver whatever part of the world you are in. A Big Mac is a Big Mac. And, and, and they will deliver. You might, you might object to them on various other grounds, um, but in terms of their promise to you about what they do, they deliver on that consistently around, uh, across and around and uh, through, throughout their organization. No, thank you. And that's one thing that really struck me when I spoke with Fiona, because we spoke kind of off camera, if you like, and this real sense of how they're using the trusted executive model on a day-to-day basis. How, and as you said, John, how they've used it in ways which you wouldn't have thought of, but actually makes total sense for them because it fits in with their culture. And one of the things she's saying, actually, you know, one of the things, you know, choosing to be open, these habits interact. So I really wanted to ask you, how does choosing to deliver, how does it work alongside the other habits in the model? Because they don't work in isolation that that's become clear through speaking to fiona yeah that's right the the habits are are, are in tension with each other actually in in some cases Uh, sometimes they complement each other sometimes they create tension uh, between different habits so if i think of the habit of delivery and which habits complement the habits of delivery i think consistency is another habit of ability which sits alongside that delivery you know if you deliver on a monday tuesday wednesday Thursday, but you don't deliver on a Friday. It's the Friday that people remember. So I think consistency comes hand in hand with with this delivery habit. I also think it sits very well alongside the evangelize habit. We talked earlier about the purpose of business and deciding what is it that you're going to deliver? What is the plan? What is the vision? So I think to deliver, you need to know what the vision and the plan is. And that links to the evangelize habit where great evangelists have that vision, they have that passion, but they also know how to convert it into something that then the delivery habit can get hold of and and, and make happen. So I think think they work together. If, If there was one habit that I think the delivery habit could be in tension with, habit number nine, and interestingly, they sit next to each other uh, in the, in the diagram of the model, but habit number nine is choosing to be kind. Mm. And I think sometimes the dilemma that we have as trusted executives is, do we show short-term kindness to the one person that is in front of us now, or do we show long-term kindness to the wider system of stakeholders that we are responsible for representing? And, and that, I think, is, is a, a dilemma that many leaders will recognize, you know, that how do you balance delivering for one stakeholder now versus delivering for broader stakeholders in the future. There is a quote which just come into my mind, you know, that there's only, there's only one thing worse than being a disappointment to, you, to your parents, and that's being a disappointment to your grandchildren. And, uh, and, and that's, that gives you that example about doing the right thing, delivering, but, but for who and for when. Um, and, and I think that is a that is something that sits alongside this, this kindness, because if you want to deliver a, a vision in the future that benefits a larger group of people, there might be some choices you make in the short term that, that, that upset people or that don't align with their goals. Uh, you know, and and that, that they might perceive that as you're being unkind. Um, so I, I think there is, 
you know, there is tension and it's, it's important to be aware of this. You know, it's, it's important to at least be able to have the conversation and be aware, be aware of the tensions that exist across this model. Mm, thank you. And, and that's, that's what came out with, with Fiona of actually being aware of those tensions. And I won't go into specific details of what she said, but one of the things she did say, John, is that when you're looking at choosing to deliver for her, she was saying it really ties into this one about being open and honest. Because she said, if we're looking, we're choosing to deliver something, we have to be honest and open and call things out or settle challenge things, she was saying. She said, that can be really difficult. And we got into a great conversation around psychological safety in the workplace, which we know is important and really key. So I think what it showed me, John, was actually that when you get into a conversation with this model, it's not, yes, it's rigorous, it's grounded, but it has this real emotional engagement where actually you're challenged become the best version of who you can be you know and Fiona was saying that in this one you have to be prepared you know as one of them to be courageous to to speak up and challenge things around this delivery aspect and know that you will be received as you said with kindness that actually would be accepted on that and so this how that they they interact together I just really really felt and saw that with what Fiona was sharing so for those listeners out there John how can they get further resources and hands-on experience of this habit of choosing to deliver and the trusted executive model itself? Yeah, I think um, on this habit in particular, choosing to deliver, I mean, we talked earlier about what are we delivering and the purpose of business and that shift from the single bottom line to the triple bottom line. Uh, The best example of a triple bottom line corporate organization that I know of is Unilever and the former um, CEO of Unilever, Paul Polman, who stepped down last year, uh, is a great uh, uh, role model for, for this habit, I think, around the triple bottom line and what it means to deliver on the triple bottom line. So I recommend people to Google Paul Polman, uh, listen to Paul Polman uh, talk about the shifting purpose of business. So at that big picture level, I'd recommend Paul Polman as a resource. At, at the practical level of the, the tips that we talked about earlier, um, I've already mentioned yeah, David Allen's book, GTD, Getting Things done the art of stress-free productivity what a, what a great great title um so yeah recommend that book i've seen that book used by my clients uh, my coaching clients and and have great impact uh, the entrepreneur operating system uh, the book is called uh, traction uh, if you if you if you look uh, for traction that has the the, the EOS system and i think that's a great uh, aid for uh, this this habit and on our website the trust exec uh, trust lots of blogs um, and each of the blogs uh, relates to different habits um, and a, a one blog I think of on this habit of delivery I think there's a blog called three steps to email sanity which is all about managing your inbox and, and how you use the GTD system to to keep on top of delivery uh, in, in, in your inbox because for most of us that is the daily delivery challenge uh, is how we handle our emails and the way we handle that is probably indicative of the way we handle a lot of things in our in our life. So getting good habits there probably helps us get good habits um, further afield. Um, so there's just a few ideas and thoughts of next places to go. Thank you, John. Thank you. Thank you for those. And there'll be a link. There's a link below in the podcast so people can just click straight through to just your executive and get hold of, of those resources. Now, what I wanted to go to, we've spoken about what the hab- habit is and how people actually use it to make a difference. One thing I like, I love actually in the book is 
you know, we've spoken about the rig and the relevance of six years of research that went into this piece of work and how it's a piece of work that's in practice. But for me, it's also a piece of work which is in the real world. And we know that in the real world, however much we choose to deliver, there's going to be times when actually, sometimes because of our own fault, sometimes not, we, we don't succeed. And there's a chapter in the book which is actually called Cracks in the Pillar, What to Do When Things Go Wrong. So I really love this aspect of looking at, okay, we're looking at choosing to deliver. What do we do when actually we, we don't deliver? How can we almost kind of recover this situation? So actually, what do you say about this? I know you talk about actually one thing to pull out is that you see the interconnectedness of these pillars. So you actually say trustworthiness equals ability times integrity times benevolence. So actually when we don't, deliver on any one of the habits that has an impact on, on the whole organization. But homing on the one of choosing to deliver, what would you like to say about what do you do when things go wrong when you don't deliver? I know you've got your own example on this as well, haven't you, John? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like every one of us, you know, the times when, when I don't deliver, uh, there's times when our, our team doesn't deliver and the rule of thumb, uh, that, uh, Actually, this is something I learned from, from, from the research just myself, you know, at a practical level, is that uh, when you fail on one habit, the question to ask yourself is, how can the other habits help me now? So um, a good example, sort of corporate example of this on, on failing to deliver. A few years ago, I mean, I, I regularly commute from Birmingham to London on the Chiltern line. And uh, a few years ago, there was a landslide near Leamington, which meant that they had to take the line down for sort of two or three months. Uh, so it was a failure of delivery uh, in a sense that they weren't able to get you from A to B and that's their job. So they failed to deliver. Um, but what I noticed is that they, the way Chiltern Railways responded to that is that initially, if I look at the habits of integrity, being open and being honest, they were very open and honest and wrote to all their clients. They apologized. They explained what had gone wrong and what they were going to do about it to put it right. So there was, there was a feeling of uh, that openness and that honesty. But most of all, I remember when the line reopened, the first train that I got down to London after those two or three months of the line being down, when I was sat on the train, uh, the, the train guard came on the intercom and said, uh, you know, we're, we're conscious that, you know, you've been without this uh, service for the last two months. Um, what we'd like to do today is offer free coffee to everybody on the train. And at that moment, David, I tell you, I looked around that train carriage and all those glum commuters mm. just mm. burst into, you know, spontaneous glee. And I, I thought they were going to start hugging each other because they were so, they were so relieved that at a human level, somebody cared and just showed that kindness. That, that felt like an act of kindness. That didn't feel like mm. a corporate apology. Mm. It felt like a personal gesture. And I think that habit of kindness, therefore, came in and it shifted the whole complexion and the feeling of, of people on that train. So I think that's the key here is, is always to ask yourself, um, if I fail to deliver, which you will, how can the other hab habits help me? That habits of integrity and the habits of benevolence. Thank you. I really love this. And it really just links back into, you know, choosing to deliver is, as we said, right at the top of this podcast. It's a very hard deliverable, isn't it? It's something that's always been in business and we need to deliver. But what I'm hearing you is actually that when you're looking to recover this, this situation, the Chilton example is a great example, I think. It's how then the organization and its staff 
choose on some of the more, you know, the emotional intelligence aspect, as you said, being honest about what's happening, being open, and almost as we sometimes we term the spiritual intelligence, going beyond that extra mile providing the coffee. And one example I had, which, which, which I, I've never forgotten, actually, that I did an MBA at Warwick Business School, and one of the modules was called uh, Services Management. So it was the services businesses. But one of the topics we covered was what to do when things go wrong. So when you don't deliver. And actually, I still remember Dr. Bob Johnson, who was there. He said, actually, do you know what? He said, when things go wrong, you actually have a, a fantastic opportunity, if you do it right, to actually have a customer who's even more committed to your product mm. and service because they realize, just as you gave that example, how much you care about them as a customer. So I think it's, in, so it's a really important one. And I think these are, as you said, you know, it's choosing. And we're still, again, we're choosing to deliver. But we're delivering in a way that then actually recovers our situation, which understands how it's impacted the customer. So this is another example for me of how the trusted executive model can really get an organization to look deeply at how am I delivering my product, my service to the customer to make a difference for them and to help us as an organization as well grow and develop. Yep. So, um, so thank you for that. Now, the final one we're going to look at actually is just a little delve deeper into, you know, you've spent a long time, John, researching and building this model and you've had a very successful career, you know, both in business and as a coach, which continues. But this final question is really going under the bonnet a bit deeper or under the hood, as the Americans would say. Why does this habit really matter to you, John? Yeah, there, there's two two levels at which I could uh, an, answer that. Uh, and I know you're inviting me to go to the... Uh, <laughs> at the deeper level um, let me just let me just tick off the first level but yeah um i think walking the talk um is really important to me you know i think it's great to be able to as i say uh, I, I love writing the book I, I love doing the research but but at heart i'm a practical person i mean you, you you've used that phrase today as well you know at heart i'm a i'm a pragmatist so it's it's really important to me um that, that I walk the talk. So when I make promises or when I commit to goals and plans, to me, it is a, a, a commitment. And, you know, I do feel accountability to that. And um, I like to be held accountable to, to, to those things because I like to see uh, what I can do. You know, I like to see what impact I, I, can, I can make. So I think there's that level that it's important to me um, in terms of credibility. Um, but as, as you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a committed Christian, you know, I have a faith. Um, I don't tend to wear that on my sleeve. Um, you know, I, I don't sort of, uh, I don't require anybody else to, uh, to, to need to have the same faith, but nevertheless, it is an important part of, of who I am. And therefore, you know, there's the science of trust. Um, there's also the spirit of, of trust. And if I look at, you know, uh, the great spiritual leader in my tradition, uh, Jesus, then Jesus was someone who delivered. You know, I mean, he he walked the talk. I mean, if he had not um, fed the 5,000 or, or done all of those miracles, I don't think people would have noticed him or listened to him or believed him. Mm. So what made him credible was that he said something, but then he, he did it. And uh, there is, uh, there's just a couple of pieces of um, scripture I wanted to share um, around this, you know, that really exemplified this for me. Um, Matthew 9, uh, chapter 9, verse 35, it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, 
teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. He was out there doing it. He was delivering. He said some fine words as well, but he delivered. And then in John 6, uh, 14, it says, uh, when the people saw the miraculous signs that he had done, they said, this indeed is the prophet who has come into the world. So what, what they needed to see was not what does he say, but what has he done? And when they witnessed what it had done, that built trust with those people such that they listened and believed and, and had a, a, there was a credibility that came from the track record, um, you know, that, uh, that Jesus had. So I know a lot of people um, think of Jesus as, you know, like quite, maybe like quite a soft, um, uh, you know, spiritual character. But for me, he, he knew his mission. Uh, he knew what the plan was. And boy, did he deliver, you know, so that's also for me a role model if i'm going to be uh, following uh, that role model then that's the example that has been set for me thank you john and, and i hadn't really thought about it in that way but i love this aspect of you know, the examples you've, you've said of how yes of course he he chose to deliver and that was an element of actually then people not just believing him but having trust in in who he was and, and what he was doing and we shared before it's clear that the nine habits linked to all of the wisdom traditions you know as you said especially when you see them as a whole but as you were speaking actually one other aspect that came to me and i know there's all of the wisdom traditions and we're speaking at the moment about, about the christian one but funnily enough just yesterday i was speaking about to someone I, i've had the the privilege i can call it a privilege actually of visiting jerusalem and i've actually been in um the garden of gethsemane it's now got a church on place that's run by Franciscan monks. But the thing that struck me, John, is that in this church, they've got what they believe is the rock where Jesus prayed on. Mm. And it's quite, if, you, if those that have actually been there and seen it, it's, it's awe-inspiring. It really strikes you. It stops you in your steps. But what I wanted to say about choosing to deliver is there was Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane wondering what he was here to deliver. Mm. And, and this sense of all the wisdom traditions have this sense of there's maybe some higher purpose there's a higher whether it's a deity or being or, or universal something like that but in that moment he's choosing to deliver if you remember he said you know in this case for him god he said you know your will not mine yeah there was a handing over this choosing to deliver so as we take this kind of really deep for those listening what does that sense in that choosing to deliver from that perspective feels really deep because he kind of has trusted himself then, hasn't he, to hand it over? How does that yeah. relate to your journey with this whole trusted executive model? What have you kind of handed over and said, you know, this is not mine? Because we said before, from an ego perspective, it's not you, John, Dr. John Blake, is saying, hey, I've got this great model, but there has been some sort of trust. So how does that relate to you and this journey? Yeah, the, the, well, I think the story you tell there um, is that, you know, Jesus felt a call in and, and, he, and, he, and he knew what the mission was. Um, and, it, and it was difficult, very, very difficult. Um, and, and he was tested. And, and at times he, you know, he felt like uh, giving up on that because there, there was a humanity about him that meant he, he did suffer in that sense. But he didn't give up and, and he pursued the mission. And, and I suppose, you know, I've not thought about it this way before, but there's definitely times when, you know, we all of us, me included, probably think, is it worth it? Is it really worth it? I mean, we've been in this year, the pandemic. Um, anybody who hasn't woken up as a leader one morning and thought, is it really worth it? Is probably not a human being. Um, 
So, you know, I've had those moments myself this year. You know, I love the work that I do. I'm very passionate about trust. I work with some great people. But there have been days when I thought, this hurts. This really hurts. Is it, is it worth it? And, and, am I, am, and am I up to it? Can I do it? Um, and I think those moments of doubt on, on you know, a, a, a part of what makes you, you human. Um, but if you, if you have that uh, sense of purpose um, and sense of mission, then that's what pulls you through it. Um, you know, but you need, you need sometimes to, to know why, the deeper why. You know, it's not about, you know, it, it might be that you need certain basic human needs, you know, money, food, you want to go on your holidays, uh, you know, you want to enjoy yourself. But often that's not a big enough why to keep you committed to delivery over the, over the long haul of uh, ups and downs of, of business life. So, you know, I have my why. Uh, other people will have their version of that. But I would just encourage people to, 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 dig, to dig deep for that because if you find it, it can get you through many a, a dark night of the soul, as they say. Mm. Th- thank you for sharing, John. I really actually honour your, your, bravery, your, your bravery and your courage in sharing this kind of deep why around why this, this habit matters to you. And I know that whoever chooses to, to work with a trusted executive uh, you know, model will have a sense of actually stepping in and really embodying, I'm going to use that word embodying because we're talking about practical, getting back to practical nature, this embodying their why, whatever faith tradition or not they may come from, because I think we all have this deeper why and this model is a great way of actually engaging with that, that deeper why. Now, John, I mentioned before, and if there is a relevant one or not, that actually you have, as well as a trusted executive, you've published this book, Coaching Poetry from a Spiritual Path, which I have a copy of. And when I read it, you know, I work with clients myself. And you, I think you say on the back that actually this book is written for those, whether you have a faith or not, it's, it's a, a spiritual book. And I think it's a wonderful book. It touches these deeper elements. And I'm just wondering, is there, is there a poem or something from that that you think is relevant to this habit of choosing to deliver? Well, there is one I prepared earlier, uh, David. Um, so, uh, yeah, again, you're, you're challenging me to go out on a, on a limb um, because uh, <clears throat> I talk a lot about the trusted executive. I talk a little bit less about the other book that, um, <clears throat> that I wrote with Ian Day called Challenging Coaching, and I hardly ever talk about coaching poetry from a spiritual path. So thank you for... Uh, for daring me into that space, and I, I will step up to the challenge um, and uh, and deliver on that. Um, the poem that I'd like to just share with the, the listeners is a poem called Closer. And I think even the title of that implies movement and, uh, and getting close to something and, uh, and the point of, of delivery. Um, so I just want to share this poem and invite, like all poetry, invite anybody who's listening to to just let the words flow over them and not uh, sort of uh, release the the uh, the need to analyze and, and and critique but just let let the words flow and, and if they speak to you then then great um you know make of them what uh, what would help you right now closer so far now so far now from the tents below beyond the tiny points of no return. A bridge collapses behind. A rock falls past in silence. To leave the sound of breathing. Breathing in. Breathing out. 
where are we taking we with our new lungs and limbs? Where are we taking we in this matrix of opportunity? What keeps us going? Save the spiritual rope between us. What keeps us going? Save the thrill of tomorrow and looking out on a new sky and pausing to drink in our laughter and say our prayers before committing ourselves again to find our highest selves in this changing world. Mm. Amen. Amen. And they all said, Amen. <laughs> Thank you, John. I just really want to take a breath at that point, you know, because it's some beautiful words. That's, you know, when I know when I read the book, it's a sense of actually almost I just want to sit with that because it, it has an unfolding within me, you know, the number of great words, a number of sense that touch me, take me deeper. And strangely enough, actually then help me recommit to the sense of choosing to deliver. Because as you beautifully said, it's very hard when you choose to live at, you know, dark night, this hole, it can be really difficult. So I, I really do appreciate that. And I think there were words in there if I was right around the you know, matrix of possibility. And you, and you do talk, I think, in your book about the film from the matrix, you know, the red pill and the blue pill. And really just exactly, it is the red pill. You know, Morpheus says to Neo, you're going to take the red pill and see how deep this rabbit hole goes. We'll take the blue pill. So I'm really kind of saying for those that actually have been inspired by this podcast, by what you've been saying, have listened to yourself and Fiona speak about just the executive model. And if they're choosing then to say, actually, I want to learn more about this. I want to take the red pill around going deeper with this. Um, what's the best way, John, that they can actually explore the nine habits of trust? I know you have a keynote, a workshop program. They can sign up for the newsletter. Can you give a few details around that for those listening, please? Yeah, our website, trustedexecutive.com, talks about the journey of trust. You know, we talk about this as an invitational mod model in the same way that Morpheus offered, you know, the choice. Uh, it's an invitational model. No one's going to force you to take the red pill. Um, but, but if you want to go on that journey um, and the journey of trust, um, then we talk about four phases to that journey. Discover, explore, commit, community. And we have different uh, services that we offer in those different stages of the journey. And um, we offer that as, uh, yeah, for those leaders who, who really get this, who, who really believe that what the world needs right now are, are leaders who rely on the power of trust rather than leaders who trust in power. If you are one of them, if you are part of that tribe, um, then we'd love to, um, to help you whatever that next step is. And, um, you know, uh, there are a lot of people working on this in different ways. Uh, there are a lot of people who sense there is a time to, uh, to really step out, to be brave uh, and, to, and to commit to this style of leadership. So um, if you're one of them, then, you know, we'd love to, uh, to talk with you and understand better what your, what your delivery challenges are. Mm, thank you, John. And again, I will put below in, in the podcast notes a place where people can click on to find out more about the next steps as to what, what we might want to take and explore further and deeper. So just before we close, actually, there's just something coming to my mind, John, for my closing comments around choosing to deliver. I met, he sadly passed on now, but there was a great professor, Andre Delbeck, who was at the Santa Clara University in California. And he spoke to me, although he didn't put it in the same words at the time, he was really choosing, he was really speaking about choosing to deliver. Because he sat me down once in a very kind way, if you look at one of the habits, and he said, David, he said, 
when you're looking, and I'll use the word deliver, choosing to deliver, there are three elements as far as I'm concerned. See. He said, actually, it has to be grounded. It has to have rigor. So he actually says the academic research plays a big part, he said, in choosing, say, choosing to deliver. Then he said, second, David, he said, it has to be practical. It has to have relevance. It has to be there out in the business world making a difference. And he was someone who stood and did consultancy in the business world. He said it has to deliver in the business world. But interestingly, he said, thirdly, he said, David, it has to have some spiritual relevance that actually there's a deeper purpose, a deepest why as to why you're doing this. He said, when you have these three elements together, he said, it gives you a real platform in which you can actually deliver. So just as we've been speaking to today, John, I've just got a sense really of how this trusted executive can really help people get in touch with each of these three perhaps different pillars as well as the trusted executive pillars. So really just to say a thank you to you for really stepping out, you know, into the business world with this research with a real heart and a passion for supporting businesses to be the very best businesses that they can be. So really, as we close this, as we said, you know, as I said before we came on air, we just kind of invite you to do an outro, if you like, in your own words as to how you'd like to close this habit of choosing to deliver. Yeah, I just want to thank everybody for, for showing up, you know, and listening. And if you've stuck with it till the end, then even better. I hope that uh, as you've listened, uh, maybe just one phrase or one story uh, you know, one quote might have just uh, been the, the words that you today needed to hear or wanted to hear. Um, and that, that with that, that could, uh, that could give you that extra motivation, that extra sense of purpose. And uh, as, you, as you leave this podcast, um, that you're going out there to, uh, to choose again, um, you know, uh, make a new choice. Um, because because that is what you can do every day is make a new choice. And are you aware of the choices you're making? And, you know, are they in line with who you want to be and what you're, what you're building for yourself and the people you lead? So uh, with that, you know, I wish, I wish everyone uh, well. And, um, yeah, look forward to joining us again for habit number two. Thank you, John. And those, we look, look forward to seeing people next time. The habit number two will be choosing to coach. So until next time. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. Thank you, David.